Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, today we are continuing on with our series on Hebrews, Greater Than. And uh, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 15 to 22, and you can follow on the screen. And this is what was said, even more clear, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it is weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced, by which we will draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Well, when we read three Hebrews, the writer refers to Jesus being like others. There is a reference to Jesus being like Moses. There is a reference to Jesus being like a high priest and even saying that Jesus is like his brothers. And here in chapter 7, the writer to Hebrews compares him to somebody else. A name that means not a lot in our world and it even gets many Christians scratching their heads and saying, who is that? There's a character named Melchizedek. Now, you might stare blankly at me and say, what is this preacher talking about? But to the average Hebrew, to the Jewish people, they would have known exactly who was being spoken of. And we first learn of the character Melchizedek way back in the time of Abraham. Actually, when Abraham was still Abram. Abram had just come back from war. A group of four kings of small kingdoms in Canaan had waged war on five other kings. And of those five kings, there were the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. When the four kings defeated the five, they plundered everything that belonged to Sodom and Gomorrah, including Abram's nephew Lot. Then Abram, not taking sides, but rather going to rescue his nephew, nephew Lot, defeated the four kings with only 318 of his personally trained men. Then, later standing in the field of victory, the five kings received back, who had received back what was taken from them, came to thank and even reward Abram for winning victory against their enemy. And it's in this same place, out of nowhere, a man walks into the scene, king himself, but not involved in the war, a man named Melchizedek. What is going on? Uh, g'day, Peter. I'm preaching from Hebrews, funnily enough. I knew this day would happen. <laughs> Ever since they cloned that sheep. <laughs> I'm sorry, you seem to have caught me out a little here. Uh, you probably realise you're not seeing double. <laughs> and you're not in the twilight zone. Well, some of you might be. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we have confused some of you from time to time. We're, we're not actually brothers. We're not related. We share the same great-great-grandfather. Or great-great, or more. 
Yes, well, we're trying to drum home the, the idea of Jesus is like someone, you know. We're trying to get the comparison. Um, we we ref- confused Raylene a few months ago. She, <laughs> she said, can I borrow your... This is my pulpit, pal. Feel free. Raylene, she... She uh, said, did you get my email to me? She was talking to me. She said, did you get my email the other day? And I said, no. I got it. I sent it to you. I sent you that, to that email you gave me. Is the right one? Yeah. I'll, I'll go get you the hard copy. So she goes to the, the pigeonhole, pulls out this piece of paper and hands it to me. Here, now you've got it. And on the, on the envelope said, Luke Harfel. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. We've, we've confused even his kids. They've come up to me thinking I was his dad. <laughs> we, we've almost confused our wives a couple of times yes. when we, yeah. we switched seats in the, in the, on, the, on the couch one day. <laughs> Every Jew worth their salt would know who this Mechizeldek is. They would have studied their Torah. And the writer of the Hebrews is trying to understand... They're trying to get people to understand to the Jews who this Jesus is. So the best way to do that is to compare them. You say, to someone who is, is similar. They would have understood that, that Jesus is like the high priest, he's like Moses, and he's, he's like Mechizeldek, that you and I would think, who's that? But the, the Jewish person would know exactly who that is. And they may not have had a, a picture to compare the two. They wouldn't be certainly able to stand next to each other. They're, they're 2,000 years apart. They might have had a mental picture of what this guy was like. And for us to understand Mechizeldek, we've got to go right back to the start of the Bible, to Genesis. And uh, we, can, we can pick it up from there. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Clone. Yeah, I'm feeling a little like the third wheel here, so That's all right. I'll take my leave. Make sure you pick the right spot to sit down. So we need to get to uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. Then Mechizeldek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, God of the Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abraham... Abram, this is before his Abraham, gave him a tenth of everything. This high priest turns up out of nowhere, a king of Salem, a town that you and I would know as a different town later. It would change to Jerusalem. And yeah, this story, before this story, we've heard nothing about Mechizeldek. All the, all the Bible is about basically a, a family tree of everyone, particularly Abram. We know his genealogy from Adam. And he was the father of so-and-so and he was the father of, and he was the father, you know. And then you get to this guy called Sarug, who was the father of Naor, who was the father of Terah, who was the father of Abram. We can trace his ancestry right back. And out of the blue, this Christ-like character, if you like, Mechizeldek, turns up. The king of Salem. I don't know if you've noticed that 
you would, have, you would have noticed the Salem is the Hebrew word connected to the word for peace. And the word name Mekizeldek might be a weird sounding name, but it, is, uh, it means king of righteousness. And so here standing in the field of victory is Mekizeldek, the king of righteousness and peace. And when he turns up, he blesses Abram and then what? Brings out some, some bread, some wine. Looks sort of like an early celebration of communion. That's all right, Laura, you can switch that off now, thanks. Some denominations even preach that this is one of those times when Jesus actually appears in the, the Old Testament. Um, Hebrews doesn't lean to that. Hebrews is more clear in, in saying that this, this character is like, Jesus is like Mekizeldek. He's even later greater than him. But it's, it's hard to call him Jesus himself turning up in the Old Testament. But you can understand why some groups think that. He was, he was called priest of the Most High God and that should surprise us all. What do you know about ancient Canaan? The bland of pagan gods and idols and the worship of Baal and Ashtaroth and all these other weird gods. In the middle of that, we get this guy who is a king and he's apparently a worshipper of the one true God. A worshipper of the creator of heaven and earth. And some commentators, some people have said that there might have been a pagan god in, in Canaan that was called this most high thing. I, I find that hard to believe. The, the word for, um, or this, they called it, he identified himself as the creator of, uh, of the, worshipping the god of the creator of heaven and earth. Sounds familiar. The, the word in Hebrew actually says El Elon. El Elon. So it means God the highest. You would have heard similar sounding names like that for God sometimes with El Elohim or El Shaddai. You would have heard that one. Different facets of God's character. In other words, this guy, Mekizeldek, knew who God was and God knew him. And he has the same father that you and I have through Christ. It's a wonderful thing in the midst of this pagan culture. Here is this guy that identifies with the same living God that, that Abram did. And it kind of makes you wonder how many others did God appear to and reveal himself to in that time, not just Abram. Or is that maybe just my imagination, but maybe you don't have record of it. 2,000 years later when Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, he appears as a king. Walking into Jerusalem on a donkey, people lay down palm branches and, and clothing, welcomed as a king into Jerusalem, the very same town that Mekizeldek was a king of. He did other things too, like bless people, and he was known as the king of righteousness and peace, wasn't he? And, and he did break bread and pour wine as a remembrance of his sacrifice. Does it sound familiar to you? A priest forever 
in the order of Melchizedek, says Hebrews. It makes it very clear in Hebrews that this Melchizedek character is different to the priestly order than the ones the Jews were used to. This was not about descending from Aaron. It wasn't anything to do with the Levites. We, we read what we preached on Leviticus not that long ago. This was nothing to do with that order. It was a different order. Actually, it actually was around 500 years before Aaron was. Roughly 500 years. And, and as it says in Hebrews, when, when you change that order of the priesthood, you have to change the rules. The rules are changed. There's not the same, it's not the same um, thing. <laughs> it's not the same. Exactly what Jesus did, he was a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and peace, bringing a symbol of the bread and wine as a symbol of sacrifice and he changed the rules when it comes to the way we approach God. He changed the old Levitical way, which was impossible anyway, and brought with him a new covenant. And what should we do when the King of Peace and Righteousness turns up, bringing a symbol of his sacrifice to us? Then he blesses. What should we do in return? We would probably do the same thing in return that Abram did. He responds to Melchizedek in, in this, as this character of Melchizedek. He responds to him with generous worship. He gives him a tenth, a tithe. This is the first time the word shows up in the Bible, tithe. Now, don't be scared about that. Don't, uh, don't be afraid about that. Melchizedek didn't actually ask for anything. In this act of generous worship, he just gives a tenth. You know, righteousness and peace are two things to get in, are difficult to get in the perfect balance. It's rare to see some person that has both going on. You'll, you'll often see some that on, on the one extreme, you'll see people with, uh, you know, they're full of righteousness and indignant at all unrighteousness and will not accept unrighteousness ever and they have a zero tolerance and there's no grace not very peaceful either. And then on the other hand, you could have those that are all peace and flowers and springtime children. And they tend to, people like that tend to overlook unrighteousness in order to keep the peace. So it's very hard to have the two in balance. But this guy was, Mechizeldek and Jesus, both the king of righteousness and peace. We have this thing in the country. Uh, I, I live down in Mount Shank, for those that don't know. And everyone in Mount Shank, Allendale or Port Mac, they look a bit familiar. And it's nothing to do with this, the extra head growing out of their neck. It is just, we look a bit the same. If you come from Allendale or, or Port Mac or, or Mount Shank, you're either a Telford, you're either an Earl, you're a, you're a Carrison or you're a Milstead or you're a Perriman, or you're a Feast, you know, all those local names. And we, we have this thing, as we drive down the road, we don't talk to each other that much, but we do acknowledge each other. We, 
you, you see someone driving, you may not know who they are, but you just got this thing we do. You say you wave to them, but it's not just a wave, it's a, it's a bit more special. They come on, and, and it's, a, it's a thing where you, you dip your head, lift your eyebrows and lift the finger. No, not that finger. <laughs> that finger. So it goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it. We don't know why we do it, we just do it. It's a culture. Uh, Alistair goes fast. Yeah. You, you just do it. Gets to about OB flat and it stops because, you know, people look different. <laughs> they look familiar. They look the same. Ever been to someone, met someone on holidays where, you, you know, you start talking to them and they're starting to. Um, yeah, you know, they're very polite, they're very personable, they're, they're genuine, they're real characters and, and, you, and you set this bit of a connection to them and you, you, you don't say it because you don't want to look stupid but you almost think, you're a Christian, aren't you? We met these, character, these couple that um, on holidays in New Zealand they started talking to us and, and they were like that. They were engaging and they were friendly and, and they were nearly said it but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to look foolish. And I thought, you're Christians, aren't you? Yeah. And the next thing, they introduce their kids and they have Bible names. So, yeah, we knew. <laughs> we knew. We kind of stick out. Oh, we should. There ought to be something about us that looks familiar. Like McKizeldeck looked familiar to Christ, there ought to be something in us that looks familiar. There ought to be something that we recognise to go. I know you... The writer to the Hebrews says Christ is like Moses. He's like the great high priest. He's like Melchizedek. The question we have to ask ourselves today, are you like him? Are you like Christ? Are we like Christ? Are we similar? Do people say about you there's something familiar about you? There's something like Christ about you? We like like, like Abram, we'll only be like Christ the closer we draw to that Christ-like character. Jesus said there'll be people that will arrive even in heaven and they'll boast about doing miracles in his name and God will say, I don't even know who you are. And yet the others that have lived a faithful life and have been in communion with the Son will meet God and he'll say, I know you. You look familiar. You remind me of someone. You know, last night I had planned our annual staff get-together at the barn. We have Usually it's a sort of a Christmas in July, but it got moved to September. So that was great. All to that. I was looking forward to it. We, we had an extra guy come and help us in the dairy so we get finished quick and get done. That was great. And uh, then I said, i just got to go check this heifer that was calving and get there and check it in. And it's, she's been taking too long and it's, nothing's happening. So I've got to get it up to the dairy. I've got to pull this calf. It's great. So I, you know... 
you know what farmers do when they got they got the roll up sleeve. Get in there and feel around. And the calf normally it comes out like this. So you've got the front feet and the nose like that. That's the normal place to be. This time the whole uterus had twisted upside down and it was coming out like that. And so what you've got to try and do then is you've got to reach in. I was up to my shoulder trying to flip the calf up the right way around so I could pull it because you couldn't pull out because the head was hitting underneath the pelvis, see? And after I tried for half an hour and getting frustrated and sick of it, I said, oh, I've got to call the vet. And just then I thought I'd kiss goodbye to my barn night. So everyone else enjoyed it and I, I had to stick around waiting for the vet. And So the vet turned up and she had to go. She's smaller than me, she couldn't do it either. So we got to have a caesarean. And I'm thinking, I'm preaching in the morning. I don't want to be doing this. It's about nine o'clock at night. Uh, so, anyway, we've got to do a caesarean. So, she, she, have you done a caesarean on a cow? She's standing up already, and they put this cut down the side. Yeah, it's so long, and they, they reach in. She's got both hands in the cow. And she's got to find the calf, which was lying upside down. And she can't move it. She, she's struggling and fighting. And, and meanwhile, the cow's intestines are coming out, this crack, uh, that we've got to push them back in. And hold, I've got to hold them in while she's trying to pull the car. And it just wasn't working. Some of you will never shake my hand again, will you? <laughs> so we get the second vet comes in, and I, nothing I can do. I might as well go have some. Some tea. So I went home about 8:30 and warmed up my pizza out of the fridge while they're all eating steak. And it's just frustrating, and I was disappointed. I missed out on and everything. And you know, people people love animals. They think they're all friendly and fuzzy and good times. I say, if you've never if you've never lost your temper with an animal, you've never worked with one. Anyway, so we get that done. I get back after tea and I, the, the second vet had just finished stitching the cow up. The calf's alive. It's all good. And we let her out to this little paddock that's got a sort of a semi-swamp in it, a little swamp. There's some dry land on the side, which is nice to walk around on, but we let the cow out and she walks straight in the middle of the swamp. I thought, well, and the vets had gone home and I thought, I can't leave you there all night. You'll sit down in that and you'll get an infection and you'll all be back to... So, you know, I wade up to my knees. It's 11 o'clock at night and I'm thinking, I've got to preach in the morning. And I missed out on my steak. <laughs> you know, it's easy to be like Christ when the sun's out on a Sunday at church. Are we like Christ when things aren't going our way and things are difficult and frustrating? And I didn't lose my cool that bad, but I was annoyed. I was, yeah, I was a bit cranky. Are we like Christ all the time? You ever done that actualization thing where you, you imagine what you want on your tombstone? that thing where you think the way others will think of you when you're dead. It's, it's just sort of like to think people will think of you nicely and think of, of you know, hopefully, like Christ. 
that person was like Christ? I'd like something humorous on mine. Like, I don't know, the longer you stand there, I'm going to reach up and grab your leg. Something. <laughs> or, um, or, or like, you know, you know I've gone to heaven. I need a big stone for this one, but you know I've gone to heaven, so while you're standing around reading this, you could be doing something far more productive. Will you be remembered like Christ? Will I be remembered like Christ? Will people look at that and say, he was like Christ? Abram meets Melchizedek for the first time and the spirit of the living God that's in him connects to the spirit of the living God that's in Melchizedek to connect and there's this amazing time of communion and closeness. Abram would have went I know you, even though he's never met him. Maybe you've never heard of this McKizzledeck character. Maybe you've never heard of Jesus either. Maybe you're that person here today that's never met Christ for the first time. What do you do when you meet Christ for the first time? Well, the first, time, first thing you have to do is you have to accept his gift. Mekizeldek came with bread and wine, the first early symbol of communion. Christ comes to you the same way, with bread, with wine. And unless you accept that, unless you accept what that represents, his sacrifice for you, it goes no further. But if you can accept that, then there's blessing. Let's pray. Lord God, when we we come and meet with you, we meet with other Christians that your spirit is living in. Our spirit jumps and says, that is familiar to us. This is real to us. This is genuine. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for, for those of us that have the Spirit of God living in us, that we might truly be people that will be recognised as belonging to Christ. Even when things are down, even when things are bad, even when things are frustrating, people would know you belong to Christ. I pray, Lord, for those this morning that, that don't know you, And maybe just today they're coming face to face with that McKizzledeck character, the one that's like Jesus, only Jesus is greater. And I pray, Lord, this morning they would accept that gift you offer them, that gift of the sacrifice you made of your blood and your body broken. So speak to hearts this morning, I pray, Lord, and challenge hearts today. Are we like you? Will God, their Father, recognise us when we meet him? Will he know us as his own? Amen.